0: The thing with all the races that I've been involved with and entered, I've always been interested in like the X factor of the race. So it's either got to be it's really hot, really cold. It's got to have you know you've got to run it particularly fast, or it's got to have altitude, or it's you know it's got to be there's got to be another element to make it extremely difficult because I found that the sense of achievement you get from Getting over the finish line on something with an extra X factor is just like blows your mind, and it's a total, it's an it's an addiction. It really is. You're just looking for the next thing, the next hit. What's harder? What's faster? What's what's further? What's the next X factor? And that's what kind of sucked me in. I just from from my MDS and really struggling, looking for the next the next hit. If you like, it's 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 a probably you could relate it to a drug addiction. I think it's probably you just want to see how far you can
1: go, and if there's anything that can break you. That, my friend, was Mark Cobain, and this is the Inspiration Runners Podcast. Hey everyone, hope you're surviving the lockdown and staying safe. My name's Robbie Marsh and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. We have one of, if not the UK's most notorious race director on the show this week, Mark Cobain who has created events such as the 200 mile tunnel ultra which we have featured twice on the podcast, the infamous hill ultra which is technically 160 mile non-stop of significant hill repeats, the 260 mile warrior way just to name a few. I've attached his event page in the show notes so if you're looking for a real challenge, click in but don't say you haven't been warned. Mark himself is a sub-three-hour marathoner, but he has been drawn to events around the globe that have challenged his limits and beyond, such as a double Bad War, which is a 300-mile race in Death Valley, Arizona. He completed the famous Spartathlon five years in a row and has finished crazy races like the Yukon Arctic Ultra. He has an extensive CV, having completed 106 ultras and 198 marathons, and it's that experience he tries to bring to his events. Before we start, I'd just like to give a quick mention to the sponsors of this podcast, We Run Wild Northern Ireland. As like everywhere else on the planet, all races have been postponed or cancelled, but we will get back to you as soon as possible once we start to see a global recovery from this pandemic. It's with great pleasure, I give you, Mark Bain, The Hard Stuff.
0: Uh, 72, I'm getting on a bit now, 48 this year, so.
1: A bit like myself then, so you're a bit of a child of the 80s. Um, what's your favourite film?
0: A film? or oh, Rocky. Yeah,
1: Rocky, man. <laughs> <laughs> All the Rockies. <laughs> we were sort of grown up in that type of period, wasn't it? Like with the likes of Predator and the Die Hard movies, um, oh, Full yeah. Metal Jacket and things like that. That's it.
0: Any, anything, anything with Rocky in it. Or, or uh, Rambo.
1: <laughs> Rambo First so, Blood.
0: Yeah, anything like that.
1: So what did you think of the new movie that came out?
0: Oh yeah, I love anything like that, but um,
1: yeah. And all lessons of life are in uh, in the Rocky films, so they're all hidden in there, but that's all you need to know. Do you have any um, brothers or sisters?
0: No, I'm just on my own. Yeah,
1: yeah no. Well, I used to have a, an older brother. I didn't used to have, yeah. I have an older brother. <laughs> At least I hope we do. <laughs> um, he's a couple of years older than me, so when we watch Rocky, I always end up with a couple of black eyes. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. He always got too excited watching them, so he did. So well, that's, that's what started moulding you at a very young age then, Rocky.
0: I think uh, just from a younger age, I think, yeah, things like that. Um, you watch the the action hero films and um, you want to be like them, don't you? And uh, you want to be as fit as possible and look like them. So you get down the gym. all, we I mean, I grew up in Newcastle, 12 to 16. You're not even supposed to be in the gyms and try to get fit and look like Rocky and Rambo. And then from then on, you just kind of... Um, you want to get as fit as possible, don't you really? And see how far you can take it.
1: So from a very young age, then like I, I was actually going to unpack the 2009 Badwater, until yeah. I opened up your, your webpage there and seen this huge list. I think it's the most extensive list I've ever seen actually of long endurance yeah. races. Like, and which, yeah. what was the first one that, that you can remember sort of entering? Oh, such a long time ago. No, I mean, I haven't been
0: running for, for 10 years now. Um, Thames Path Challenge or something like that. But um, I wanted to do the uh, MDS because I heard about that. It actually, there was no internet back then. So I think we, um, I must have seen a a magazine article or something. It might have been on the TV or something. I thought, oh, that looks good. That that looks amazing. So after doing loads and loads of marathons, I thought, well, let's try and step it up a bit. And then I got in touch with a few who had done it before. And they set up a race down the Thames, Thames Meander. That's it, Thames Meander. I think in the, the first couple of years of that, we did that, and that was supposed to mimic the, uh, the the long day on the on the MDS. Everybody said, oh, you've got to do, you've got to prepare for the long day, prepare for the long day. I didn't really have a clue what I was doing to be honest. I was just kind of, I wanted to do more than a marathon because it kind of ticked off the marathon. I'd managed to do a fast marathon as well. So I I thought, well, I just want to go longer now.
1: When you say a fast marathon, it was blue yeah. three hours, wasn't it?
0: I wanted to do sub three. I think that's everybody's like, you know, goal with marathons. And I thought, well, there's no point in going on and keep trying to get faster and faster and faster. I'm not going to get much faster than that. I would say I'm an average runner at best. But <laughs> to do to do that was uh, the marathon goal and then you can keep churning out marathon after marathon after marathon but then i thought well i just want to try and go longer and see if i can go longer see if there's anything out there that's gonna to test to see what i could do and then I, I stumbled across mds it seemed to be i mean at the time there was hardly any ultras out there to be honest mm. it was really in the uk i think it was maybe what five or six ultras um and a very very small bunch of people doing them so Uh, mds you had to kind of look abroad so that that was it sounded exotic to me you know running in the desert and you just i thought right we'll train for that um and there was a group i think i found a group somehow i don't know how maybe in the back of runners world or something you you, you actually have to write to people or send email there was emails (laughs) (laughs) got in touch with some people and then uh, we did this thames meander which was like the build up to the long day and uh, yeah, we did, I did all right on that, I think. And um, but we, obviously carrying all your kit and everything was a different, a different ball game altogether. Um, but then I thought, well, I could do I can do fifty, and then um, went out there and did the MDS, and I loved it. You know, I mean, uh, everyone says, oh yeah, MDS, it's oh you know, it's easy this that and the other, but it wasn't. It wasn't at the time. It wasn't easy, and it was red hot, and carrying all of your kit. I remember like on day one, you're setting off, there's helicopters overhead, you're standing around with all these people with like about 10 to 12 kilograms on your back. You know, it's over 100 degrees and you're thinking, shh, you know, <laughs> what, what, am I doing? what am I doing? And then, uh, yeah, I set off and really enjoyed it. And at the end of that, I thought it was just a massive sense of achievement. I thought, you know, I really struggle with the heat. I always struggle with heat. And I mm-hmm. thought, oh, this is great. This is great. And you're then, from
1: Newcastle, like,
0: so... Newcastle, yeah, <laughs> well, it, yeah. <laughs> that's
1: why you're struggling with the heat.
0: That's exactly it, yeah. So it's... Uh, no, I, and I think that's what kicked it all off. So just just finding out about that race, sharing stories with people in the tents and that, and uh, and just look reading book uh, magazines. And there, was, and there was other articles that I'd seen you know, across the years about extreme races. And I thought it kind of stuck in the back of my head, a few of them, you know, there was, you know, like the bad water, I think it's like Spartathlon and thing. I think I saw a discovery channel, um, clip of Spartathlon. And it was one of the English guys that, um, he actually won it. So he's won it several times. I can't remember his name. I'm pretty, I've got a pretty bad memory to be honest, but he, I just thought that's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And then, uh, Further on down the line, I kind of went back to those memories and thought, I'm going to find out about those. If they can do it, and do it kind of thing. You know? Yeah, there's
1: something about it there. Because at the minute, it's, we're living in the age of social media and things like that. Yeah. Back then, we didn't. Yeah. Even as early, like I started running in 2011. And what yeah. I did was pick up books. And That's you're it. reading the likes of Dean Karnazes' book and he's yeah. talking about the bad war. And it's... <laughs> it, p- it plants the seed a bit deeper because it gives you a real deep sense and insight into that and thinking wow but at the same time that person is actually still completing the race so it makes you yeah. think to yourself what i found is and that's why i wanted to um- unpack bad water today was those sort of races that i read in the books have always mm-hmm. stuck in the back of my mind rather than just seeing races popping up left right and center yeah. or on social media i think it's because you've connected with it a bit reading through the book you talked about spartathlon because you you gained a bit of a love affair with that race so you did so what distance was that is this in greece isn't it it's
0: 153 miles um, (laughs) but you have to do it within 36 hours so the um the thing with all the races that i've been involved with and entered i've always been interested in in like the x factor of the race so it's either got to be it's really hot really cold it's got to have you know you've got to run it particularly fast or it's got to have altitude or it's you know it's got to be there's got to be another element to make it extremely difficult because i found that the sense of achievement you get from getting over the finish line on something with an extra x factor is just like blows your mind and it's a total it's an addic- it's an addiction it really is you're just looking for the next thing the next hit what's harder what's faster what's what's further what's the next x factor and that's what kind of sucked me in I just from from my mds and really struggling looking for the next the next hit if you like it's it is a problem you could relate it to a drug addiction I think it's probably you just want to see how far you can go and if there's anything that can break you and if you know i didn't find anything Well, i, I can <laughs> come really close you know but they're the best ones you know when you just think my god you've really got right down into the depths of hell and then you you come out the other side and you think I'm just I'm kind of unbreakable you think that's what you think it's not true but that's that's what you think and you get in this kind of mentality that you're just looking for something to, to try and stop you and that's 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 how it ended off, And then if injuries hadn't have come along, I don't know where it would have taken me, but you know, everything good comes to an end. But (laughs) um, I think it's a very addictive sport and there's so many ultras out there now. It's this, the choice is just unbelievable. I mean, like I said, when I was, when I first started out, there was maybe five or six famous ones around the world. And they're like on your tick list to do. But now there's an ultra popping up once a week, and you just think there's so much to do. You could never fit it in in a lifetime. So if you can sort of get a list that you want to do and tick them off, then I'd advise people to do that, your own bucket list, and satisfy yourself and just just go out and do it, you know, because you never know when your journey might stop. So don't go for the easy ones. Go for the ones, your dream races. And just get them done,
1: because you 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 can do it that's class it sounds like the whole running fraternity is sort of starting to follow that path that you started very early on you know everyone started running marathons and there's so much more exposure now to us ordinary people doing these mad marvelous things and you've talked about that addiction you almost want something that's past your belief of Achieving that, like, and that's what you were really doing, wasn't it? It was testing yourself over and over again. Each one of these races is another test, but it's also a confirmation of you've got more inside. I think that's what you're chasing yeah. and trying to go after. It, it's unbelievable. I don't. I don't think in. I think your body will, will give
0: up long before your mind does. But your mind—that was my kind of secret weapon, like my mind, because. You know, it would drag me for miles, <laughs> even though the body's completely broken. Your mind just keeps going and just says, it, it, It's uh, what a, an altar an is basically a battle between your body and your mind. <laughs> and your body will give up first. And then your mind just says to your body, You've got to, <laughs> don't think you're stopping because you, you're going to keep going. And then you achieve like some kind of um, balance where your mind's in charge and your body does what it's told. It kind of, It's kind of beaten into submission by your mind. And and it's actually amazing when that happens because you just think I'm unstoppable and you can just go forever. And your mind is just in control. If, it, if you let anything into your mind, like doubt, anything like that, it can eat away and that's where it'll stop you. Not your body, but your mind.
1: How, how do you prevent that then? Because... Is it just experience of breaking through all the time that that you can fall back on, or how do you how do you tell yourself to shut the fuck up? (laughs) To be honest, when that date's creeping in, that
0: is exactly what it is. It's 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 kind of it it is telling yourself to shut it. it, You you kind of when you start an ultra, always you're kind of going down steps, right? Down, 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 down into (laughs) hell. I call it hell. And as you go down the steps, that's that's the danger point because that's, that's when you can pull out. And that's when most people DNF. Once you get to the bottom and you realise that you can continue, then that's when you're okay and your mind kind of takes over then. And I don't think there's anything you can do to train particularly for it, apart from... I think you have to be born with a certain stubbornness. I think if you... If you've got stubbornness then that's all it is really it's nothing uh you know this nothing special it's just if you're a particularly stubborn character or person and you kind of believe that stopping would be worse than continuing then um
1: you just need bags of pig ignorance like don't you
0: exactly that's it that's that that is it really I think um you know, I think it could be something to do with my background and coming from, possibly from like the, the northeastern family. My generation of all being kind of miners, and it's 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 just kind of a mentality of oh, don't yeah. be so soft, kind of thing. I know there's all this, you know, you shouldn't say that, but I think it gets it does get ingrained into you, and you, you just kind of it's amazing what you can overcome just with your mind and um i've I've been it is is an eye-opener because you just kind of know that when times get really really bad whether it's in an ultra or in life itself that you can come out the other side you just have to hang on
1: and you find that um that ultras have helped that like they've sort sort of rolled and built your character over time and rolled into your ordinary life
0: i think so definitely especially with the not being able to run that's been the biggest challenge out of everything so um, having to stop because um, of um, pretty bad knee problems. Um, then it's I'm, kind I'm of looking all... at
1: your list here. I'm, I'm not surprised. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then it's kind of all taken away from you and you think, oh. But then you think, hang on, you've got to twist it around on itself and like take it head on and think, well, this is just another challenge. So this isn't going to stop me. This is just another thing thrown at me. It's not ultra running, but it's another challenge. And there's no, yeah, there's no way I'm going to give in to that. If I can do all this other stuff, then just forget it. It's not even, don't even bother trying.
1: <laughs> it's, it's almost, it's, almost a, it's just a different um, staircase that you've walked down really, isn't
0: it? Exactly, that's it, yeah. That's that's all it ever is. And I, I can guarantee you that everyone will come out the other side. you just got to hang on.
1: So spath Athlon you done it five years in a row, 2005, 6, 7, 8, yeah. and 9. What, what drew you towards that every year?
0: I, again, it was one of these races that I had in the back of my mind that I'd seen a clip of on Discovery Channel, and I thought, what, what was it five or six marathons in a row? Six marathons in a row. I thought, well, that's impossible. And then I thought, well, let's find out, you know. <laughs> Um, and yeah, at the time back then, it was it was fairly easy to enter. I think there's quite a hard process to get in now with qualification races, and um, there's only maybe five or six Brits turn up, and a lot of those were regulars. So
1: um, um, you just became one of them.
0: Yeah, <laughs> well, it was it was it was the only race where I've got a DNF. So I DNF the first time I attempted it. I thought I was going to run out of time, and the last time it was the last run I did, um, and I ran out of time again. So it's, it's one of those that if it'll get you in the end, kind of thing, if you're not <laughs> careful, <laughs> it's, it's um, and I don't put it down to not being mentally strong for it, I just put it down to we're running out of time yeah, there's a, there's
1: a physical aspect path along as well isn't it there's a physical
0: there? aspect yeah you have to you can't be complacent in any way um but it was the biggest kick up the arse. you know it was like right this is proper running you turn up there everybody there looks like they've been in a POW camp you know there's there's people from around around Europe they just look like professional runners you think oh my god and you've got a couple of chubby brits there and you think is this going to happen? You know, this happen? <laughs> and it really was. It is, it's it's sometimes some years it can be red hot, and um, you know you run along the coast and then across the mountains. And once you're in there, you kind of committed. It's a, it's a bit like a it's a bit like trying to achieve a, a sub three marathon. You have to commit from the start and run at a certain speed and not mess up. If the, you, there's not much wiggle wiggle uh, opportunity, so if something goes wrong. You really, the clock's against you. So I think the first year I was inexperienced. This must have been about, you know, several long ultras in, totally inexperienced, kind of thought I haven't got enough time here. And in hindsight, probably had. So next year, right, I'm just going to go until they tell me to stop, basically. So I was within seconds of coming off the the mountain at about 100 miles and i it's that's all i needed was that adrenaline shot that the guy just going keep going you can't stop or you're out kind of thing and it's like fuck (laughs) so you just like you run and honestly you think you can't find anything but you find it and it's there it's there all that training and speed training and you think it's there when you've got that shot of adrenaline and you're just like, I'm not going to let this beat us, no chance. And you just, you just go for it. And yeah, I managed to scrape in with four minutes to spare on the first Jeez. year. And um absolutely I loved it. it. <laughs> I loved it. Because it was so close. I mean, it was squeaky bong time all the way. And um, just getting across, touching that statue at the end is probably one of the best finishes out of any ultra, really. People that have finished marathon just know coming up that street towards that statue, you've just been through hell and back and kissing that guy's foot. Um, it's probably one of the best finishes ever. And I was hooked. I thought, I can do it. Once you've done it once, as you find with a lot of these new ultras, oh, I can't, someone can't do that, they can't do that. And then someone cracks it next year, two or three crack it next year, three or four crack it. And it's it's weird. Once, once you've done it, You get that. You know you can do it. So it's like, I'll go back and do it again. 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 And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's addictive. But it's I'll put that as one of the best races in the world. It's it really is a running race where you're down to the bare bones. You're not carrying anything. You just have to get from checkpoint to checkpoint within the time limit. And it's simple. It's on paper. It's simple. It's it's pure pure running on road. And I used to love road because I think it's much harder, basically. So just running on road and within that 36-hour time limit is pretty pretty hard going, especially when you get the temperatures out there as well. So, yeah, that's probably one of the best races in
1: the world. So the last half mile of that vent must be absolutely amazing. Like So like the people that come out on the street there, they know what you've been through. They know how deep you've had to go, and there's other competitors there as well. And then you just come up to that statue, and I've s- I've seen it played over over and over again on Facebook. Somebody coming down there and then kissing the foot of the statue, because everybody knows what that person has gone through, and I suppose that's that's what you're craving for when you're talking about that hit and that addiction. It's getting yeah. to that moment of beating yourself and yeah. coming down that finish line. Like one thing you did touch on, because um, I'm pretty I'm relatively new into the world of ultra running, was aspect of time and you feel it like because when you talk about doubt, you think to yourself at any stage shit, i'm not going to make that cut off that is just opening a door of being able to stop the pain isn't it like and i felt that in ccc i, I like my body had sort of broken down and i was like i'm not going to make this like um i just said frigate i'm going to time out and then all of a sudden I was able to keep going when I made the decision. It's better because in most ultras you might slow the heck down. And it's different because you're conditioned into a marathon running that when you start to lose your pace, you're like, oh, you know, and that sort of conditioning moves across over with you. If you lose the pace in an ultra, it doesn't really have. That's what happens. <laughs> Shit happens <laughs> when you're doing long endurance races. Like yeah. um, for people that are new into ultra ra- racing, if you just accept that, that's the way it's going to be. All you have to I do have is to... keep on moving one foot in front of the other, and you'll eventually get there.
0: Yeah, I think that's what I learned from that is just you never know that how things can turn around. You, you, like I say, as soon as you've got to protect your mind. Really, it's it's your body can put up with anything. It, it, it's your mind. As soon as you start getting doubt creeping into your mind, like oh, I don't think I've got enough time. Oh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Get to that checkpoint. I don't think I've had enough taken on enough food. It's like little bits and pieces just start eating away, and you've got to stop that straight away. Knock it on the head. Just, I mean, there's a weird thing I used to do. It's like I used to like lie in bed the, the the night before Spartathlon, and I'd imagine imagine a long, long corridor. And these are all like mind techniques. A long corridor, and I'm put. I've I've got a, like a whiteboard i've written on the board dnf and i'm just i'm walking down this long long corridor and every time i go through a door i'm unlocking it and locking, locking it behind and it locking it behind it's a really long prison like a prison style corridor and then i put that dnf whiteboard in its own little box at the end and lock it up chains on it everything and then go back down the corridor locking the doors behind locking the doors behind and i think the next day when I start the race, I'm standing on the line. I'm thinking, I can't get to that. I can't get to that DNF. And I can't, nothing, I'm going to, I'd rather die than stop in this race. That's the way you've got to think about it. And I think if you, if you start off with that mentality, it helps because all those little niggles, they come, they just bounce off. They're trying to get into your head and they, they, they just bounce off. And you think nothing can get into my head and nothing is going to stop me. We all get moments of weakness, though, and it's it's you know it's not it's easier said than done. But there's little things like that you can learn to kind of train your brain over the years, and I think it does help because as soon as something comes on the horizon and starts to try and get in your brain, you just you just get rid of it straight away, and you just keep on going until someone tells you to stop. You never tell you to stop. Someone tells you to stop, and once you've got that in your mind. It's amazing how much further you can go because you could be in a, in a dip. I always say the biggest high is normally after the deepest dip. So you can just, you know, think it's the end and then, you, then you're coming out of it. If something's really bad, change something. That's my biggest tip. Change something. Have some food. Have some water. Do something you've never done. Stick some water over your head. Think about something else. Talk to someone. Use people on the route talk to them, go alongside them, find out how they're doing. If you don't like what they say, find somebody else. You know, just, just, and it doesn't take much to snap yourself out of a downer and then you'd be surprised how far you can keep going. I see it on a lot of the races that are organized now. Some people you think, oh, you're looking at them and you're thinking, I don't don't know. You can kind of tell when they're not going to make it. And then (laughs) you you have a bit of a sweepstake and you think no, they're not going to make it. But it's some of them some of them actually turn it around and I've i I've seen it recently, you know. I think, oh yeah, well done. And he's really turned it around and he just kept going. You know, he's he's he looked as if he was happy he was done and he's just he's he's turned it around and I think he's just changing something, just doing something different, and it'll soon bring you out of it. Like I say, you'll soon be on the up. You just have to hang on. <laughs>
1: That's it. Problem solving is what you're really describing there, isn't it? And that's one aspect in the race. You're 100% right. If you if you just think you're going to grind through it and that and is there and you're going to continue to do the same thing, it's just going to eat away at you and you're going to bit by bit you're falling away. That's um, it. But just one thing, like if you slow up and wait for a runner behind you to come and just interact with yeah. them or even going for... A sprint and showing yourself you can sprint or eating something or crazy shit at all but just do something different and try and work out don't focus focus on the thing that you're doing different rather than focusing on the the pain that you're going through one one good aspect you identified there which i failed in big big time in castle ward this year Yeah. Um, on the last one stand, and i did 50 miles which was pathetic from my perspective um I take that back again for anybody that's done 50 miles. But, you know, I, a couple of weeks before I'd done like 28 miles in training and then I'd done 32 miles in training, which was absolutely nothing. I didn't feel like anything. So to go on in the race and do 50. And what happened to me was a couple of days before I thought, nah, you know, I'm not in the good condition for my big race that's coming up. My mind was winning the battle at that point a couple of days before the race. I was thinking to myself, well, I'll go in here and do a good training race. Yeah. So where you were setting your mind up to that like, you couldn't reach that DNF, like it was all in, nothing else was mm-hmm. going to happen here unless you finished that or cross that finish line. I had sort of – I had – I suppose the point I'm making is you need to start that mental preparation a couple of days before and not halfway during the race. D- during the right, race, yeah. you want to be problem-solving.
0: Yeah, that's right. You've got to – when I say – I mean, you've got to pick out what your A race is going to be. You know, this you can, I would say a maximum of one, one a year, really. One or two a year. I think too many people now are going for multiple races and they're not giving it their all. So they're saying, well, you know, I, I, yeah, I turned up to do this, but last week I did, <laughs> you know, a hundred miler or whatever. And you think, well, come on, you can't do this without proper preparation. And I think you're right what you say. is Some races are actually just training races, but you've still got to think about the race and what you want to get out of it long before the race turns up. Because if you just turn up for an event, oh, it's only a, even a marathon. You know, as an older runner, you kind of say, oh, yeah, it's just a marathon. But a marathon can be an absolute nightmare. If yeah. you just turn up thinking it's just a marathon... If you haven't prepared to do your best or try your hardest on any training run, it can turn into the worst race ever. And last thing you want to get is a DNF on just a training race. You think you you want to keep a clean sheet because it does help you with mental preparation. You think if you consistently DNF, you kind of you get used to it, don't you? You don't want to go down that route. You want to build mental strength, so. Even a training run, you have to prepare properly for it and think, like you say a few days beforehand, right? I want to get something out of this because you're looking ahead at your ear race and it's going to benefit your ear race. You've got to think, what's the best result that would help me with this promised training run that's going to give me the best results when I do that ear race? Do I need to get a specific time? Is it just about endurance? Is it time on feet? You know, it's got to be worth something to do it and not just going through the
1: motions because then it's pointless. CCC was the hardest race that I've done to date um, only because I crashed halfway through it. And like there was one time I almost pulled out of the race and when I got to the finish line, the adrenaline that I got, like the energy that I had in the last like two or three miles and the dips and the lows that I got through yeah. Like, I was just so excited to enter another bigger race and think to myself, shit, like, I was able to chisel my way through that race. Like, I actually can't wait to get back to that place. Yeah, And, yeah. and unfortunately, we haven't had that opportunity yet. Like, um, but it really does have that effect on you, doesn't it? It's like, wow, if I could get through that. And you talked about the lows. I mean, I was looking back at the race and thinking, like, there's nothing in the world have I ever experienced, you know, being there, like, wounded on the battlefield yeah and yeah i was running like a seven minute mile in the last mile like yeah. clipping my heels and like a gazelle coming across the finish line yeah and it just blows your mind you know how starts so question how did that happen and, and where actually your limits are so then you do like i had the phone out there i working out how to get into utmb <laughs> Yeah, about five hours before that i was like i am never doing these races again 10k is going to be my limit blah 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 but there's such yeah. a an excitement, I suppose. On right. What's next? How can I get challenged Cause I knew I was going to be better prepared for going down yeah. deeper down those stairs. There's one race there that sort of jumps out at me is the Yukon. It's a quite a unique race, isn't it? It's three, is it 320 kilometers across the Yukon?
0: 320 miles. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The year that I did it, um, which was quite, I think it was only, it only been going for a few years. Um, and not many people had actually done it at that point. Um, so in recent times, I think there's been some reports of it. It can be quite dangerous. There's, uh, I think there's a guy a couple of years ago had some serious frostbite issues, lost a few limbs actually. Um, and these are in the in modern days where everyone's got trackers. Back then we didn't have any trackers or anything neither. And um, <laughs> it's uh, yeah, that is a like I say, it's the X factor again. it's that's what drew me to that race was the fact. oh it's, it's really, really cold. It's a long way. You have to pull all your gear. I wouldn't actually put it down as a running race. It's more of a foot race, um, akin to something like maybe the spine where there's a lot of walking. Um, and um, but again, it's a different kind of challenge. Um, so it's classed as an ultra. And I found I'd prefer hot races to cold races, (laughs) to be honest. Because the thing about that race was uh, that I found is um, what you've got with you is what you've got with you. There's no way of, you know, finding any extra clothing or anything when you're out there in the middle of nowhere. So you're going across all these frozen lakes, and then the temperature just drops and it drops and it drops and it drops, and you think, right, I'm going to put more clothes on, put more clothes on until you've you kind of emptied what you've got in your, in your puck and you think it's still getting colder and uh, I think there was one point there it was minus 40, minus 50 Jeez. and the, 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 air, the air just, it's weird, the air just crystallises and um, you know, it looks like it, it looks like diamonds actually it's, 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 it's weird but it is incredibly frightening because you think if this keeps getting colder like i'm in big trouble but with the yukon it's you're actually going across frozen lake to frozen lake but there are wooded areas so you're taught how to light fires basically just in case so and i found with that with that race tagging on to somebody else was essential so i basically did the whole race with another guy hugh hugh hunter he was called and um he spent the whole like Five or six days, or whatever it was, together, and that that got us both through it. To be honest, and um, yeah, at those times when it got really cold, you you light an emergency fire, and you kind of huddle around it, thinking, you know, this is pretty bad. <laughs> um, and the, the the worst part of the race is um, obviously you have to dig a hole when you want to sleep, and you get in with you quickly have to get in with all of your equipment, all of your, your water, and everything because you keep your water next to your body to stop it from freezing so you have to get into the uh, sleeping bag and the bivvy bag in a, in a hole that you make in the snow pull the, pull the zip over and it's you're still absolutely freezing you sh- you're shaking away in this bivvy and if you actually nod off for a couple of minutes then it's a bonus if you can actually kind of think did I nod, did I nod off then you can say well yeah I got some sleep and then you know you have to keep going. The clock's ticking. So then you, the worst part is you unzip and you have to get out into this freezing cold. You can't expose any skin. You can't take your gloves off, otherwise your fingers sting within seconds. And uh, it's yeah, I didn't like that at all. So
1: <laughs> that was a tough cookie that one.
0: <laughs> it was yeah, just just yeah, but it was a long old slog. So you're doing your well Three and a half mile an hour for most of it, and you just think this is going on forever, forever. And but yeah, it's just another mental challenge, and it's just another with a different aspect. Like I say, all these races, they're kind of in stages. They're like the first, the first third is whoa, don't know if I can do this. The second, second third is I think I've got a chance. And then the third third is, I know I'm going to do this. And that's when you pick up, you know, between the second and third part of the race. You think, oh, well, yeah, this is all right. <laughs> and, I, yeah, suppose, I suppose
1: you've already been through so much. You know, you don't want to make that work end up being for nothing. Exactly. The more miles the more miles behind, once there's uh, more miles behind than there are in front, you just think, well, you know, you might as well count down. Have you got animals to contend with up there as well? Or the... The fear of animals, I suppose, like some bears and wolves and things like that.
0: I think there was a few rumors going around that you know <laughs> you, you could disturb something, in, but most, I think, the bears were supposedly in hibernation. If they weren't, and you spotted one, you'd basically dead because it would <laughs> it would be looking for food. So, and I think moose moose were the, the biggest danger. So if you came across a moose in your path, you're pretty much stuffed as well. But luckily. Didn't come across anything.
1: <laughs> it's, it does sound like quite a dangerous race, though, doesn't it? Like what the race organisers, because as you say there, even um, there's no trackers, even like some mobile phones and things like that, you know, and you were lucky to have somebody along with you because you could be yeah. very isolated in that race.
0: I think they came up and down the route every now and again on a snowmobile. But <laughs> once, once the um, temperature got down so far, I think the, the snowmobiles didn't work. So you were literally on your own and I think it was old school timing. So basically waiting for people to turn up at a checkpoint and wondering where they are, if they're not there, you know, um, nowadays, as in some of the events I do trackers they've become a godsend, really, you know where people are, you know, when they're going to turn up, you don't have to be sat there freezing, freezing to death waiting for somebody to come in. You basically turn up 10 minutes before and set the checkpoint up and it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot safer now in that sense, I think. Um, but, again, if something goes wrong out there, you're miles away from anywhere. Mm. So it's 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 still a very risky race. And, of course, if you go through the ice or you get cold, I mean, you've got one set of clothes that you're supposed to change into immediately. But um, it's a fine line between freezing to death. And, like I say, I think somebody maybe last year or the year before lost a few limbs just from mm. um, you know hypothermia. Going a bit stir crazy and ending off in the snow. Um, so some of these events, they are pushing the envelope between danger and extreme adventure, and it's a fine line I think between between some of them. But that's where you get your hit, you know. That's <laughs> you know you have to push it to the extremes to get that hit sometimes. And I think when you come through something like that, it's it's all the more worthwhile when you when you cross the line. You think. I've kind of survived that. Um, And then you look for the next thing.
1: (laughs) I think I'm going to open up like an ultra meeting, like the AA meeting for these people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a key point that you made there. Um, You know, these long endurance races, even across England, which are over 200 miles, it's not like a 10K race. You know, you can't put the emphasis on the race directors to make sure that you're going to be safe. You know, you have to take some level of responsibility yourself in these races, don't you?
0: Exactly, exactly, yes. I think, um, I'm not saying that people are handheld a lot more these days, but, well, they are, basically. they are. It, 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 it's, the new wave of ultra-runners, I find, seem to be expecting, you know, a kitchen sink, the checkpoints. And, you know, I think I, I like to stick with that element of adventure and looking out for yourself, and it's all about you and the challenge it's not about you and how can people get you through it it's it's basically you and the challenge how are you going to do it it's, it's it's your own challenge i've never gone out there and thought it's a race or anything like that it's never been about can or can i can i come first can i beat so and so am i going to be super fast it's i don't care about that it's about somebody setting a, a challenge and how am I gonna get through that challenge to the end? It's just me versus versus the challenge basically, and I think that's kind of not disappearing, but I think it's it's there's less of that these days. I think mm-hmm. people wanna get that ultra badge show and stick it on facebook basically I think you know I like the events where. The organisers shouldn't really be um,
1: pampering. I'll say
0: pampering or or intervening too much. It's like I said, because you're going to get less out of it when you finish, unless you've done it all yourself. That's basically what I'm trying trying to say. Try and go for events. I mean, everybody's different, but I try to go for events where um, you're going to get the most out of completion, because it's you versus the challenge.
1: Yeah, and that's what you're really trying to do, isn't it? You're trying to give these people that enter your events that complete package of giving them the opportunity to be able to. There's a bit of Lazarus Lake around you. You're you're definitely in my mind the English Laz, um, and he does exactly the same. He's trying to give you this opportunity to try and discover who you actually are.
0: That's it. I think um, if if you can. I don't think events should have all bells and whistles basically I think it's about running you know, that's all it is
1: it's running you know?
0: and you have to you have to accept that if you if you want to try and um push yourself to the limit then um there's, <laughs> I think the events that I put on are really just testing i've tried to add in a few x factors but <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it it's about testing you as a runner and more importantly to me because I wouldn't do it if I did not enjoy it I want to see the mental aspect of how people cope with these events and come out the other side if anybody can come out the other side and then I know that the people that finish them are gonna they're not gonna forget that I've just had a guy that's gone 200 miles through a tunnel he didn't look as if he was going to make it and I I honestly had him down as not making it I'm not going to mention any names but the, the guy turned around and he did it he actually did it and I I said afterwards, you're not going to forget that, are you? He said, I'll never forget that as long as as long as I live. And that's if I've done that, that's my job done because that's what the events that I managed to do did to me. I can I can remember every single finish from those air races, and if that can stick in somebody else's mind, mm. then that's worth more than any turn up, go through the motions, get your medal, go home kind of stuff. I want them. I don't want to give my medals away to anybody, unless they've gone through the mill and spilt their guts and got <laughs> got over that line, and they're never going to forget it. That's that's
1: that's my goal. I just see a little counter there, people um, dropping out your races here now. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> no, I'm only joking. So the Yukon never broke Mark Cabane. So that was in 2006. Like, where do you go after something as crazy as that?
0: Um, I c- to be honest, I can't remember the races, yeah. a lot of the races that so I you,
1: did. I know you did the Badwater. So, just prior bad to, water, yeah, prior to me opening up your list, I'd sort of yeah. like, Badwater's a thing that sort of attracts me. Yeah. Um,
0: that was, yeah. That was another one. I think it was in a, like I say, I'm not. I came across a lot of these early races from maybe magazine supplements, maybe in the back of the you know, news of the world or something like that. <laughs> and uh, um, I remember there was uh, Chris Moon, uh, an amputee that ran through Death Valley and I thought, you know, I was reading the story about him and I thought, that's just amazing. That is amazing. And then again, I found out more about the race and then I um, thought I'll have a go at that. And it was one of the first few races that I did I thought, well, I might as well jump in at the deep end. And I think 2003 was the first time I went out there. I had a crew that were – because you have to have a crew as part of the rules. (laughs) Went out there and um, the guys I got were just some guys from home. Didn't know anything about running or anything like that. But it turned out to be 2003 was the hottest year on record. And there's been some – there's been a book. There's a few books written about it, I think, a few degrees – in Hell or something is one of one of the books. But anyhow, I think that book's got everybody's race report from that year, and it was 130 degrees. And um, yeah, that's, that's,
1: that's like 55,
0: maybe Fifty-five? a bit more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, these are in the days where you actually had to run through the hottest part of the day. So the race now starts at night because of, um, I think, restrictions uh, because of the parks. But in those days, you had to start on in a morning slot. And go through the actual uh, Death Valley itself, which is the below sea level bit, in the in the heat of the day, and um, I think I got about 20 miles in, near the near the first checkpoint, and I I went unconscious completely, um, and uh, I just went down like a sack of potatoes, and um, I woke up uh, in the in the passenger seat of the crew vehicle was covered in ice back all over didn't know what was going on and then at that time there was a doctor that used to go up and down the, the route but you might not see him very often and he used to check on the competitors and I was just absolutely paranoid that the doctor was going to see that I'd gone unconscious I thought this is going to he's going to stop his he's going to stop his I don't want I, I can't have this kind of thing so uh, yeah I came around again and then I thought right I'm going to there's no way I'm stopping, and, and it went off, but I was completely deaf. Something happened with the heat, and I couldn't hear a thing um, for the next yo, X amount of miles, um, and I just remember my ears being blogged up. I tried to find out what that was, but I, I don't I don't know. But it Probably heat stroke or something like that. But um, that, that race just turned into a nightmare for me. Uh, it was absolute nightmare. I struggled. I was at the back end of the field. I was having hallucinations. I went into the second night. I was, my head was all over the place. I was absolutely losing the plot and eventually got through the other end, just kept going, kept going. <laughs> and uh, I thought <laughs> across the line, I thought that was amazing. You know, that really pushed me right to the edge. I'm coming back. I've got to do more of this. Heat, heat doesn't go well with me. This is, this is the thing that I'm going to struggle with. That's brilliant. I found something. And then I went back, I think, 2005, 2007, 2009. And I think it was the 2000, 2007, I thought, I'm going to do double. i do double Badwater. Um, so you have to do the race first. And then you finish the race. And then you have the race itself finishes um, like a, a third of the way up Mount Whitney. So to do the double, you have to climb Mount Whitney to the summit and come back to where the race finishes and then run all the way back to the start, 135. So it's a 300 mile there, you know, event. Yeah, that, is,
1: that is crazy. The first time I heard of that was when I just opened up your CV and I was going to yeah. talk about bad water and I went, what? <laughs> There's a double on this list. Yeah. there can't be too many competitors entering that like when you look at some of the names that they've got in there so for people who don't know that bad war is a 135 uh, mile race in death valley um the bad war basin is like it's the lowest elevation in north america it's 280 feet below sea level which is what yeah. makes it so bloody hot like um but there is about 14 and a half thousand feet of climbing there's three mountain ranges that you go over so going back over there you've almost got thirty thousand feet yeah. So you've like fifty odd degrees, normally around fifty degrees, and you're yeah. climbing Everest over two hundred odd miles, like um, two hundred seventy miles. Yeah. Like, and you survived.
0: It's it's a living nightmare. Yeah, but <laughs> it's really I really enjoyed it though. But it's uh, I think I'm not really. I think it's the only double I was interested in because it's kind of. It's like an under under the counter double. It's 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 kind of official. There's books about it, the Badwater three hundred. There's a book people have written about it. There's a list of people that have actually done it, and uh, there's a guy called Badwater Ben Jones who lives uh, on the outskirts of Badwater. He keeps a list of every crossing that there's ever been from the start, and there's a list of the three hundred crossings. And I mean now people have done quads. Triples. Jeez. I think there's a guy. He's done six times. Uh, so it's just it like I said, it's never ending. But that that for me, I was really interested in. I'd, I got I actually bought the book. I read it. I read the book, and I thought I've got to do this I've got to do the three hundred, and um, it was a living nightmare. I had again. I've never managed to get around having severe heat heat problems. Yeah, you, know, you just can't pass water and um, you know, you you pass out and you have thrown up everywhere, left, right, and centre. Hallucinations, crazy, especially on the on this on the return journey. Is of you know, I was seeing rocks that were moving, smiley faces. There was a circus going on in the field. It was just absolutely crazy. And uh, but yeah, crossing the line on that. I mean, like I say, um, you have to have a crew on that. And my crew, the guys. Um, Liam, if you listen to this, I mean, I owe you everything for that. And uh, Julia and uh, Cheryl. And, um, yeah, crossing that line at the end of the double, that was one of the top moments, I think, for me. Um, And just laying back, looking at the stars in the sky. And um, I think we had a whiskey and a cigar or something, and I thought that was just amazing. I can't believe it. I can't believe we've done that. And, uh, yeah, that was one of the – one of the events that I really reached some pretty low lows, and then, like I say, I got into that zone where you think I mean I'm kind of I feel indestructible. It's just it can't it's it's not going to stop us. So so I'm I'm going to finish this. It's just and once things because you you aren't really going to die, are you? I mean you're not going to. You've got blisters that are, your feet are hanging off, and you just think you, you've got blisters on top of blisters on top of blisters. But you think you can't die from blisters. Yeah, you could pass out, but you'll you come round again. You, you can be sick, and then what? You that you can't die from that. And you just think, well, you can't. I could just keep going. It's you know, it's amazing what you what you can do when you reach that point. It just once it gets as bad as it can get, that's the best bit because you know that it can't get any worse. <laughs> <laughs>
1: somebody's going to come with a, a white jacket very very shortly i remember lazarus lake it sort of stuck out in my mind um, when john kelly finished the barclay yeah um he apologized to john kelly because he didn't get to see how far he could go <laughs> so it didn't yeah. break him and it really is that mentality isn't it um because yeah. again you didn't you finished the race so you didn't find out how far you could actually go yeah which was pretty unique um there's one race there just sort of sticks out on this list the high 2010 never heard of it winner and only finisher in brackets what was that about
0: yeah well that was that was a new race um that year there was a guy Rajit. uh he was sending out emails to runners ultra runners saying do you want to come and do my race in the himalayas and i kind of um I thought it was off-road, and I'm not that keen on off-road, to be honest. So I kind of put it on the back burner. And then uh, I think I planned to go back to Badwater that year. Um, but I didn't actually get in because um, they can only take so many people. So And then I had another look. at someone said, oh, well, that high race, it's it's actually on road. It's on the highest roads in the world. And I said, oh, I'll have another look. And so I had another look. And I thought, oh, yeah, it is on roads. Um I'll enter that then, you know. And so I replied back to his email saying, yeah, I'll come and do that, stick my name down. Because I thought the altitude, uh, that's the X factor here. I said, running on road, that ticks my box. I love that. Um, But the altitude, I don't know how I'm going to cope with that. That's the X factor. So I'm going to learn about altitude. (laughs) And um, I've always wanted to go to the Himalayas. So, yeah, so we went out to India, um, and there was actually only three people turned up. So there was me. And two Americans, and um, started the race. the The army didn't want us to do it. They said, oh, you know, it's dangerous. You shouldn't be out here on on the, on the roads because you're up. at, I think it's eighteen thousand feet. It's on some of the some of the two of the big passes, and you literally cannot walk at you know a fast pace. You cannot get any air into your lungs. Your head feels like it's in a vice, and uh, it's it's horrendous, um, and if you don't get if you don't get down quick, you're going to go to hospital basically. So there was each each runner had to have a crew, and there was several crew and competitors. The, the a couple of the Americans, the Americans, I think, went off to hospital with um, I think it's called HAPE, which is like an altitude sickness. Um, which can easily come on in anyone no matter how well you train at altitude. So I think my plan for that was to get off the tops as quick as possible. I had it in my mind, get up there, get off, and then you're going to be all right. So I just basically just put my head down and thought, I don't want to die on the top of these mountains. I'm just going to get up there, get it done, get back down the other side. Because the lower lower you get, the less pressure on your head and, um, you know, you're going to be okay. Um, That was easier said than done because, I mean, the first climb was okay. Um, Got up, got off, and then you're going through a valley which was akin to, a bit akin to Death Valley. It was uh, very, very hot and humid. So with the altitude, you actually need to eat more than you, than you, you do normally and take on more fluids because your blood thickens up as well. So, that was another thing and so um, going through the valley it was very very hot and then I just remember the second climb again I'm back in the world of delirium and uh, I was a bit all over the place Um, I don't think I'd taken on enough food enough fluids and I did suffer with the altitude on the second climb which seemed like a very very long time to get to the top of that second peak and um, so, 135 miles in length and the second peak came at about 100. So maybe 110 to 120 so you've done all that distance so you're pretty much depleted on that second climb and yeah going over the top of that second peak was another another low in my uh, ultra running career Because uh, kind of just hanging on and thinking I don't really want to go back the way I came I've just got to get over the top and start going down and uh, I, I did I did it and um, I mean I, I really felt for the organiser because um, everything kind of was relying on me finishing the race to show that it can be a viable race. So I really wanted to finish it for him and for myself. And, uh, yeah, crossing that line as well, um, that was another another great experience. I mean, the people out there were amazing. It was such an amazing place. The views, fantastic Himalayas, snow-capped mountains. Very, very tough race, though. And it's gone on to... They've increased the distance, so I think there's a there's a 300k now, and I think they actually tried to put a they did a 555 as well. Um, so it just it's never ending. So there'll be a 666 and a 777. But <laughs> you know you have to you you have to work within your own limits. I think, but that that first year I think was was pretty special, and um, yeah, it did that did push me push my limits. Uh, but just to finish that and to prove it could be done was yeah that's that's one of the highlights i think in my career
1: do you, do you think races like that and races like your own events as well there's i feel there's almost like a shift a belief shift happening at the minute so you talk about the bad water um i couldn't believe there's a double but as you say there's people doing triple four but some guy done actually six do you think that's just opening up people's minds and these races are getting harder and longer like in 10 years time you know, they're looking back and you say, oh, so bad like Badwater 135 10 years ago was like, whoa, that's madness. So like in 20 years time, like people are getting more belief and being able to go further and longer all the time.
0: I think people are also getting fitter and there's there's just a lot more ultra runners out there. So if you look at the Badwater times over the years, I mean, people are right. The times have come right down to what seemed impossible 10-15 years ago people are taking it off in a very short amount of time even the qualifying standards for something like Spartathlon, that's come right down so I think the quality of athlete out there, the ultra athlete where it used to be a very small community of oddballs let's face it it's now branched out and people do uh, there's some very very good athletes out there so the the times have come right down and i think i don't know where it's going to go i think uh, to be honest i think you can't just keep going longer because you get you get a certain level of training i don't think you need to train a lot to be able to run very very far i think you just have to have a solid foundation maybe get up to 70 or 80 miles a week nothing nothing fantastic and you if you churn that out months on end you've got a solid foundation for running any ultra in the world and you can keep going for a very very long time on that kind of um training um so i I think going longer isn't really making it harder i think adding in like i say the x factor people want different elements to push themselves now um and of course as a race organizer you haven't got Unlimited time to sit around for people. I could go out there and put on a thousand mile race, but what's the point? It's I'm not going to sit around for two, three weeks waiting for people to turn up. It's uh, and I think the majority of people can do it. It's it's it has to go somewhere else, really. Um, everywhere has pretty much been explored. So I don't know if it's going to implode slightly. I think there's a big there's been a big wave of people with social media wanting to you know post that they've done ultras, this that and the other which is good it's good for the sport I guess but I think the the long hard stuff I mean I don't know if it's going to come full circle I, I I'm not sure where it's going to go I think it'll either fizzle out and people look towards something else or there's a different kind of ultra coming. But it's hard, it's hard to see what else you can offer up to people these days. I can't think of much more than
1: what I kind of thought of. And yeah. I kind, I kind of, of they're still dealing with those at the minute. They haven't gone past what yeah. you've come up with. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I, 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 kind of, I, I kind of tweak the races so that there's different elements. Like I'll start the race late so that they're tired. I'll put them through two nights so that they have to stay awake for two nights. You know, you put them in um, mental circumstances where there's, um, you know, they've got this, like the tunnel where it's pitch black um, or chained, where you you chained to somebody for a certain amount of time or, you know, running up and down the hill on the hill. So it's it's monotony and it's, it's coping with a different level of mentality. Because uh, I think you
1: have to add these things in now just to get more out of it when you finish. Do you model do you model yourself when you're thinking of these events as in yep I would like to try that that would test me
0: yeah that's exactly it i think i don't i think it'd be diff i don't think it's fair i I don't want to sound I, I think it's it wouldn't be fair to put something on that I don't think I would be able to have a good crack at I'm not saying I'd be able to do it but i i, I think I should be able to have a good crack at it if I was still running, and I think it would be something. It has to be something that would would have interested me at the time. I would be looking through the books, saying, "Oh my god, look at that! That that's that's going to really test me." That's that's. I think that's that. They're the two things that it has to involve. Um, yeah, but of course I don't. Do, I don't do it full time. This it's, it's just for fun for me. This is just I I have a I have a day job, so these are just. Uh, when I had to leave that world of ultra running 10 years ago, I thought, Oh, it's a bit too soon. I still want to be involved somehow. What can I do? And I thought, well, I'll try and come up with some, some events. I'll try and pull in some of the elements from the races that I've done around the world. So, uh,
1: and add those. So you, you done 106 ultras. It says in your CV, 198 marathons. Um, you then sort of got injury in your knee, which sort of pulled you away from running. So, you started up a small company called Cobain Events um in brackets the hard stuff um I think it was I was at Castle Ward sitting next to Bobby Irvine last year, and yeah. I think it was Luis Smart said me he's doing the the tunnel in a couple of weeks, and it was the first time I'd heard of the tunnel. I was like, um so what does that entail? So I was two hundred miles running back and forward in a one mile dark tunnel. yeah, and my first response was which disappointed me was. No friggin way, absolutely no way would I take on that um afterwards on reflection, the more I get onto ultras and sort of understanding what it was all about, then yeah. you start actually getting drawn towards it. um my yeah. daughter watched the whole weekend this weekend, so like, how did you come up with that event like
0: I just uh, it been in the back of my mind that I wonder where I can find somewhere where you you, you kind of um all your senses are in isolation. There must be like a mine, or there must be some kind of underground place where you're in darkness. And I did kind of there's something entering my mind, like treadmills in a in a darkened room and darkness. Nice. And then I just I started looking at tunnels and things. I found a tunnel and I thought, yeah, that's great. If we can just turn that into a, a non-stop event, and it's a mile long. 200 miles <laughs> <Like that. laughs> yeah. and uh, it was just a bonus that you know it was actually I mean they've, they've got emergency lighting on through the day but from um, which is still quite dim so it's still quite dark through the day but from about I think it's 11 till 5am it's pitch black and I thought you know if you're going through if it's 200 miles we are going to have to go through two nights and I thought that's going to be brilliant and the second night they're going to get some hallucinations so we'll add that in. That's, that, that, that's, there's the X Factor. We'll stick that in there. All right, I'll tweak it a bit. We'll start them a bit late in the day, you know. And um,
1: It's actually hard to be... get to as well, isn't it? Like it's not, you can't just drive up yeah, and park it's... at the tunnel. So you must have loved it when you seen that. Another it's, it's element just... of X Factor.
0: Yeah, I think people are tired by the time they get there, basically, because it's, <laughs> it's at the south part of Bath and it's not easy to get to, really. They've got to walk a few miles just to get to the start. and. Um, you know we provide provide a limited checkpoint so you know you're relying on what we've got and um, you know what you bring uh, so it's it's all about the running really uh, to do 200 miles in 55 hours is still pretty hard even if it's on a track you know so you're thrown in sleep deprivation and um, the darkness factor and the repeatability. So it's a mental game. So a lot of people you find on that will probably get through the first night and think, oh, there's no way I can face the second night. On the first year, we did it. Second night, um, a lot of people were still in it, a lot of good runners. And I thought, oh, it's going to be a whitewash, you know. And then that second night, people just started to lose their minds. And uh, people that were there a few hours beforehand were just gone a few hours later, and they just – they had no real reason, otherwise, other than they just had enough, um, and I think it was down to you know, halluc- you know hallucinations and just they just couldn't handle just going back and forth anymore. That was it. That they'd reached their the the limit, and that was it. And I was really really interested in it, even down to the second second day time, people were dropping like flies. They just couldn't hang on, and it just. The, the people that did make it, which were the same people that made it this year, were the people that turned up and knew what they were going to do, i.e. I'm not coming out of this tunnel for whatever and I'm going to keep going at a reasonable pace. I'm going to run and I'm not going to mess around, basically. And they come, there's some, like Bobby came back and he realised there is no wiggle room on this. I'm, I'm I know what I'm going to do. I'm not going to. Start. I never saw him. He was just back, forth, back, forth, back, forth. And that's what you need to do. You have to come with a game plan. And that, that is the game plan, basically, to get through this one. Keep going consistently. Don't have to be super fast, but you just have to be consistent and not stop at each end and eat into your valuable time. Because realistically, everybody's going to be roughly around the uh, the 50 hour mark. Although we did have the winner, I was unbelievable. He just. It's 40, 43 hours or something, 42, 43 hours. is just unbelievable. But that guy didn't stop once, same pace, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. I didn't see the guy back and forth, and he just knew exactly what he was going to do. he come here to go at a reasonable pace. I did at one point think he's going too fast. He can go one way or the other with the people that start off fast. He's either going to blow up. Um, or he's going to be okay, and it, it turned out for him. He was going to be okay. He managed to keep the energy energy going in, and he just kept going at a nice, consistent, speedy pace, and he just cracked it out. Unbelievable uh, mental resilience, like yeah, really, really, really good run. I was really impressed with that, and impressed with everybody that finished that. Like I say, there's a couple of guys. That were pretty much on the edge there, and I thought, mm, not sure, not sure, but they pulled it back, and uh, yeah, they, they they got they got there in the end.
1: They're they're almost after- the heroes in the race, aren't they? When you think they're yeah. definitely gone, um, yeah. I was dot watching. I won't mention any names either, but um yeah. it was unbelievable to see that, and you're just wishing and hoping, yeah. you know that they they make it. And when they pull through, because they've yeah. gone deeper and darker in their That's own it. frame, and their perspective, than the guy yeah. who come first. Maybe a bit unfair to say that, but um, they're yeah. not as mentally strong as that person, obviously, or not as physically fit. Yeah. So they're going down a deeper set of stairs. And to actually cross that and come back up, that is really empowering to watch. Like,
0: Yeah. I mean, people say, oh, he doesn't want you to finish. He, says he doesn't want people to finish. But I do. I do want people to finish. I want people to dig as deep as possible and then finish. You know, so yeah, I don't want many finishers because it has to be special to the people that finish, and that's that's the key to the, all of this. I'm not a mean race director by any means. I really egg people on to finish because if they I see they're trying their best, and I, I want them to get over the line, and it just for me that's that's what that's what makes it special for me and worthwhile doing is to see someone that. that Just absolutely pulling it out of the bottom of their guts to get to the finishing line. You think, wow, that's made me That's That's made the whole event worthwhile for me. Yeah, and that's what it's about,
1: really. That's what it's about. Yeah, you do have a list of races, don't you? How many races have you got?
0: Um, I think I've got about five or six. Um, So we had the hill. We Unfortunately, the hill, the place we used to run it from, that closed down. So we'd, I've tried to move it around to various hills, but it's been difficult to find a A, a safe format, and B, a doable format. So it's, it's a fine line between getting the right. You think there's hills everywhere, but there's not. There's not a hill that meets the criteria where there's a checkpoint area at the bottom because it's in the middle of winter and uh, it has to have the... The correct criteria, so the underground conditions and uh, underfoot conditions, and it's got to be safe. I think we tried doing one in the Yorkshire Dales, and we were hit by a, um, a storm, which was unbelievable. I mean, but there was too many concrete steps on this particular hill, and the steps were covered in ice, and it was people, were, it was too dangerous. Uh, the runners voted to abandon it, which was fair enough. And um, this last year, we did one in the Cheviots, Again, it was very, very tough conditions in the foot. Mm-hmm. turned into a bit of a swamp. And, yeah, nobody finished. Um, but we'll still keep hoping that we can find another hill. So if, that's the hill on tour, it's called at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a Viking way was the first one that started, which I wanted to, it's kind of a bit based on the Grand Union Canal. So you've got 140-odd miles. And I wanted to find something that was... A Hard, much harder route in a less time limit, and so you have you've actually got to run and do a bit of navigation. So, the Viking Way is a long distance walking route from Hull down to Oakham. You're going through the, the uh, Lincolnshire Walls, very, very muddy route, nasty, nasty route. Um, you're coming into Lincoln, and it's it's horrible basically, and uh, that's what attracted me to that route. <laughs> So and give it a decent time. So you've got 40 hours to do uh, 147 miles, which is very, very tight. We You only ever get like five, six finishes on that one. And then there's the hail. And then I did come out with chained. First chained was when we picked random partners, which uh, <laughs> was, a bit, was a bit of an experiment. So, um, so about 20 odd people applied and they turned up and then I, I'd pull their names out of a hat. And you basically nobody knew each other and they're all chained together. So even male even male, female, and of course you got different abilities, and you'd have to do 130 miles within 36 hours chained to a complete stranger. Nobody finished. Some people got quite close, but nobody finished. And it was it was an amazing experiment just to see how people coped being with somebody else. When people someone wanted to go slow, someone wanted to go fast, someone wanted to rest, someone wanted to continue. That was good. Now I slot that race into Escape from Meriden, which is um, yeah. beyond, one of Beyond Marathons events. So we, we set people off. They can pick their own partners, chain together. Um, still not many finishes, but they do better than they did when it was Strangers. And then I've got um, Lawn Lass, uh,
1: which is the... It sounded a bit like a twisted blind date.
0: Yeah, it was, yeah. It was very interesting, very interesting. But I realised I wasn't going to get any people entering if I kept it in that format, so um, we changed it slightly so you could pick partners, basically. Uh, still very very tough though to complete. And um, I've got a race long last, which is uh, long last Cymru, which is uh, from the top of Wales. So you start in, in Holyhead, and you get down to Cardiff. So you you going on uh, this one of the Sustrans routes. So it's the longest road race, continuous. In the UK, and um, you've got 253 miles, and you have got um, to, you've got 88 hours to get to Cardiff. It's quite hilly, then. <laughs> yeah, it's extremely hilly. So you're going across uh, mountain ranges, um, and you're basically only supplied with water. So you've got to, and there's limited checkpoints. So the checkpoints, you get you get water every 25 miles and you get your drop bag every 50
1: miles Um, so that's extreme I remember I remember one time driving into Hollyhead and the Tom Tom was telling me to go around the coastline yeah and this was when Tom Tom's normal and you and I was like why would you go all the way around so I just do a straight line ended up going first gear up some of these roads like in the car over these mountain ranges (laughs) because it's extremely hilly like but beautiful though absolutely beautiful I'm sure it's absolutely beautiful, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's some real big, long hills kick in at about,
0: I think the first one's at about 70 miles. So you get a bit of a false sense of security, and then the big hills kick in. And of course, um, after 100, I'd say between 100 and 150, you're going over some serious mountain ranges. So it's pretty tough. We got some guys got on the outskirts of Cardiff this year. We only had three finishers. People just. Had literally had enough, they were just squeezed every inch out of them basically. because uh, again, you're going through two nights sleep deprivation, um, very tough terrain. The weather was horrendous, so you got torrential rain. It's in October, so it's always rainy in Wales, then. And, um, yeah, so very, the, very the t-
1: weather does have a big part to play in these events, doesn't it? Like on how much it grinds you down, it does, yeah. People, uh, once they're cold and wet, they just bit out of their comfort zone and <laughs> i mean I, know, I i know that so <laughs> those that are listening mark smiling <laughs> <laughs> a huge grin on his face like yeah so it's, it's it's hard to come
0: up with more races i've got the three peaks that i plan i'm planning for 2022 so basically um we're gonna have people run from um uh, ben nevis down to snowden fire score fell. so you'll do each mountain and run the distance in between so it's looking at about 450 miles in total with the climbs uh probably give you about nine days to do it so i think the records round about nine days anyhow so you know it's going to be very tight very tough
1: yeah, um, it looks fantastic though and there is an ever-growing field no matter how small it is of people yeah. will get attracted to something like that because you're right it's no different than you when you do, you're doing your run, and people are looking for the next biggest thing to challenge them. You have the likes of the spine now. The spine's getting it's grown from like eleven people to I don't know was it like around one hundred and thirty? Don't yeah. quote me on that. Um, but that's the reason why, isn't it? Do you find that you've yeah. got a bit of a running community sort of following these races?
0: It's the same old people that I see at the races. I've got you know the regulars and you know. <laughs> which is great because they're the kind of people on my wavelength you know and then we keep every now and again we we bring other people into the fold and they they always the feedback i get from them is oh, i didn't realize you know that um you know they, they've been totally torn to shreds by the race and then they're like oh, i didn't realize but that was great you know i really enjoyed it and then um, then you find they'll enter the next one and then the next one and yeah we we've, we've got a, a bit of a community going on there but they know what to expect so that's good for me because you know i don't hold back i say what it is it is what it is it's uh, it's, it's a tough race with limited limited help you know it's li- it's about the running base it's about you and the challenge like i say Um, so don't expect to be mollycoddled or anything like that and they understand that of course it works against me as well i mean this to be honest I only want to deal with about 30 40 people anyhow. I don't want races with hundreds of people in. I'm not that kind of person. I just I like the low key stuff. I like to get to know the runners. I like to be there at the checkpoints. I like to see them build up a bit of banter and it's my way of kind of keeping in touch with that world of like like-minded people. You know, very
1: grassroots.
0: Yeah, I I just don't I just don't want to open up to uh commercial kind of enterprise so it's it's not my thing it's 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 when i when i finished when i've got no more interest in it then it'll stop it's kept me going over the last 10 years because i've still kept in that little community and got to know some great people and i probably wouldn't have done that otherwise if i just turned me back on on ultra and walked away um so i i do it for my benefit as well just to but if i if i'm not interested by it
1: then I'll not bother doing it anymore, you know. You have, so, you have to enjoy what you're doing. It's as simple as that. Like, yeah. um, I think there's a lot of people out there would thank you for the opportunities, what they've gone through. Like I know, like to so Bobby, like how he must have felt because he dropped out at, like 189 miles in the tunnel the year before, Um to come back yeah. and actually knock out the 200 miles. We did a podcast with Bobby, and um, yeah, like the character building that that's given him and the strength, you know, I'm dreading the next time I face him in a backyard event, like, and he's smiling all the bloody time as well. He needs his face slapped. Stop smiling, Bobby. <laughs> I think it's part of his trick, like, um, but it's been an amazing sort of journey that you've been on yourself and you're almost gifting it to other people now as well, which is pretty cool. But
0: I, th- I think that's, that makes it special for me when it's someone that's maybe failed several times, and they co- they keep coming back. You kind of you willing them on. You think I just want you to finish this. And then every now and again, somebody will finish it that hasn't finished one of my events. And you can just see how much it means to them, and that means everything to me. That makes it all worthwhile. And those people that haven't given up, the come back. Like Bobby said, like all right, you didn't do it first time. He's like, right, I'm going to make sure I do it this time. Like I said, I didn't see the guy. He was just back and forth, back and forth. So that's that's, and he did it, and that that's worth a lot to me as well because I know he's he's put everything on the line to get that finish. And it, it I hope I hope it means a lot to him. I'm sure it does. So, uh, and that's the main thing.
1: Mark, that's a beautiful thing. We're going to wrap it up at that. Um, we're just hitting 90 minutes. Bang! Told you we would. <laughs> All right. Um, that's been fantastic. I really, really enjoyed that. Like, um, I'm going to roll it out next Friday. Appreciate your time. I hope things yeah, clear thanks. up a bit better. Um, what did you say you're, you're planning on doing? Who could go the furthest distance in their backyard?
0: Yeah, I've just put it out there. Just um, the, the, the rules are it's got to be no more than 100 metres circuit. It's got to be non-stop. And you have to prove it by you know, Strava or whatever, how far you've gone. And whoever goes the furthest, furthest come end of April, I'll send out a special Isolation Ultra trophy. That's class.
1: Mark, thanks very much. I wish you all the best for the rest of the year. It's been a pleasure, Robbie. Well, what did you think of that? I found this to be a brilliant episode that presents a roadmap on how to mentally manage and navigate through those more challenging times on course. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you find something that you can use yourself. I know I'll be listening to this again as part of my pre-race prep in my next big event. Hope you're continuing to stay safe and still managing to get your miles in. We have Fiona Oaks on next week's episode. Really looking forward to it. So until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.